Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. Great to be with you. James Prescott here, your host. And uh, I'm delighted to be joined today, again, for the third time, um, by my friend Sarah Heath. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's so good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Um, no, yes, yeah, it's always great to have you on the show. Um, Sarah's been up to a lot in the last year. She had a book come out last year. That's true. Um, and I think she's now working on her second book, if I'm right. Um, yeah, and it, it actually just finished writing it this, oh, yeah, this week. Wow. Awesome. That's very exciting. Um, and for the last year, you've been doing a podcast, haven't you? Um, yeah. Sonderlust. Sonderlust. S-O-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T. I always have to spell it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's not a very well-known word. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, and this was basically, uh, um, people who listened to the last time you were on, we talked about what this was about. This is kind of about you kind of reevaluating your life in a way. Um, yeah, learning how to fall in love with my own life. Yeah, exactly. There were, and there were loads of different things that it covered. There was loving the job you do, loving where you live, um, yeah, dating. Love you, love you do, love where you live. Uh, yeah, I had, have, I had to have friends outside of work, and I had to start dating again. Those were the four. Yeah, and so there's about twenty six podcasts or something like that. Yeah, there's twenty six. Um, one every two it's weeks. Yeah, one every and other week. They are really good. I recommend Thank all you. of them. There's, um, yeah, I just love the thing. I love one of the things I love most about them is the just the honesty. The vulnerability, um, because it's the, the things you talk about, you're quite honest about what you talk about and you share some quite private stuff, you know, and, you know, that's, that was a very brave thing to do, um, but very helpful for, <laughs> for people listening, you know, um, like, so kind of what, where are you now as opposed to like, what did you learn? What were the, those four sure. questions that you that you that you asked yourself, you know, um, what happened in each of those four different sure. areas? Yeah, we can cover that. So uh, let's start with loving where I live. So I live in Southern uh, California, and I live in an area called Orange County. And I lived in what's known as South Orange County, which is predominantly like a family area, really. There's not a lot of younger folks. It's um, it's a little bit away from the freeway, which for us in California, that's how you like, uh, are how, you know, you're closer to like a bigger city is, are you close to the freeway? Um, it's not super far, but it, uh, and I bought a house there. And if I'm honest, I think I moved to the area with a different hope for how my life would turn out. So I bought a condo, um, in that area and I ha and rent is quite expensive here. Um, and the cost of living is quite expensive. So I had to have a roommate, so I had this three-bedroom condo, and I had a roommate, and he's awesome, but it definitely was like living in someone else's, you know, it's like having a roommate situation, which I'm in my mm -hmm. late 30s, so that was, it was just an odd experience to kind of realize that you have to share space with someone, and he, you know, was probably the best person to do that with, but I think at this stage in my life, I was really kind of ready for my own space, and I was living in a neighborhood that just didn't, I didn't know anybody, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and it can be quite isolating. I don't know if the area where you live, if there's a lot of, uh, like, do you talk to your neighbors? I have one, I live in a block of 
flats, apartments, and uh-huh. um, I have five neighbours, and I know one. I know one couple who live opposite me. We hang out quite a lot, actually. We do. We have meals together and whatever. But that's just one, you know. And all the other people down my street, I don't really know them that well. I've met them a few times, but no. I mean, it didn't used to be like that when I was growing up. It used to be that we knew, like, I remember growing up and we knew, we knew, just knew everyone on our street. And we used to hang out, play and, you know, in the road uh-huh. with our bikes and stuff in the evening, leave the front door unlocked. You know, it was just like, it was so, so nice, you know, and it's just like, it's not like that anymore. Um, so. Yeah. I think there was this like sense of like, I was living in a place that uh, just didn't fit my lifestyle. My, my best friend who's on the show quite a bit is a guy named John who oh, yes. is a very gregarious personality. <laughs> and uh, awesome. he always joked with me that I bought a uh, minivan <laughs> and uh, I don't have kids. That was kind of like living in a condo there was like buying a minivan and not having any kids. So what happened in that area for me was that I took a bold step and uh, I asked my roommate if he wanted to rent my entire condo. And then I uh, I moved to Costa Mesa, which is... Uh, the area where my church is, it is a much younger demographic. It's expensive, um, but I live in a one-bedroom, I call it like a treehouse, because uh, it has a patio that overlooks someone else's patio, but uh, the people who live next door to me have the cutest kids ever, and we hang out all the time, and the people who live next door to me are the same age as me, including almost everyone in my um, complex that I live in. I don't have any walls that attach to anyone else. So it's this very lovely like situation that I absolutely adore where I live, and I love... I love living in this town. Um, you know, California isn't an easy place to live in for lots of reasons, but this area uh, is just particularly creative, and there's all these great coffee shops and restaurants, and um, I love, you know, I still have to drive to those places, but it's like a three-minute drive instead of a 35-minute mm. drive. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a really good fit for me. So that was the first one. Nailed that, I guess. Uh, so yeah. part of the... <laughs> Part of the thing uh, we didn't share earlier was that if I didn't nail all these things and do well on them, John was given the right to move me anywhere he wanted to move me. Wow. So, which I'm a United Methodist clergy member, so that yeah. was quite risky. Uh, the other thing I had to do was love my job, not just like it. And in that area, I spent a lot of time talking to experts like uh, Hillary McBride, like just different people mm-hmm. who uh, – kind of helped me become a little more authentic in my community um, and kind of get okay with the fact that I'm not, you know, super good at some things. And um, part of that was for me coming out of, I had gotten into this place where I had been kind of hiding or trying to hide, not successfully, the fact that um, my brain just doesn't work like other people's. And so I was overworking and um, I ended up uh, discovering through the podcast, actually, and like being willing to take the risk that I have ADHD, which is something I never knew. So uh, my work has been much better, I think, since I've been able to sort of um, figure that out and then figure out what medication looks like. What does that look like? To be honest with people about, hey, you know, I'm a, if you know much about the Enneagram, I'm a two with a three wing. And the Um. three part does not want people to know that I can't do things. So I will take on too much. I will not accept help um, because I want to be Wonder Woman. And it has been such a great experience um, to be able to say I'm not capable of this and um, even to get some coping mechanisms around, like, I have to have an online um, system. So I'm a lead pastor for a church, and I'm not great at 
follow up with people and um, that kind of stuff. And so I use an online system now and all of my staff know that, that I need them to fill that out because I, it's just part of the way my brain works. I need it to be really, really organized. And so that's been great. So I'd say I'm starting to love my work. Uh, I also made some boundaries around how many events I'll speak at and the amount of money that I will take as a speaker. And we raised that. That was a really hard move for me, by the way. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. it wasn't for the podcast. I never would have had these conversations. But um, I really like speaking at events, but I refuse to do it for um, because it is so ter- uh, like uh, wearing on me as far as being outside of my community and then also just travel, right? So we have a deal now that I only do four events a year and then four events for um, – I'm actually randomly, I am the, uh, one of the spokespersons for, um, world vision Canada. That's a new thing this year. Um, so I had to figure out what that was going to look like and, um, commit to that kind of stuff. So that's been great. So those are the two areas. And then it was have friends outside of work. And I think for me, um, I still have a lot of friends that are church related, but I think doing the podcast allowed me to, uh, express boundaries with them that I, would have felt bad doing otherwise, but because people kind of started to see, um, you know, I've had a couple of people say, I didn't realize that when you hang out with us, that sometimes it can always feel like work because we'll bring up church or we'll, and like nobody brings up my work to me, but people bring up your work all the time to you um, or ask you questions that you're like, I just really just want to, I want to enjoy this beverage and not have to answer all these questions. Um, and mm. so, I think that's been really good. Um, also because of the podcast, I think a lot of people reached out and were like, Hey, let's just hang out. Um, so that's been great. And then the dating thing was great and then awful. And then, uh, that has been the challenge that I'm still in the midst of. So I, uh, as of the podcast, uh, started working with a dating coach, um, which is a thing. Did you know that was a thing? I didn't know until I heard on your podcast that it was a thing. And I was like, and I think, and I, and I actually, when you were talking about it and you were talking with, about your conversations with, with them, it was like, this is actually a really good thing. Like, I, maybe I should do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like 41 and, and not married. Maybe I should, <laughs> maybe I should be doing something like this, you know? Um, I didn't, yeah. And it sounded to me when I, when I heard what the dating coach did, it was much more than just the obvious. It was like unpacking a whole load of insecurities and fears and habits and coping mechanisms and like all these kind of things that that are linked with relationships because relationships are kind of a bit messy you know and hard work and we all have like insecurities around them so um yeah that was really interesting um like what what have you learned from your dating coach how is it has it has it how has it helped <laughs> it's been one of the biggest challenges for me, I tend to, uh, be in a relationship and then it takes me a while to like the person. Um, and then once I like the person, it's super hard for me. It's like, almost like a Hmm. pattern to them (laughs) and I'm used to them. And then it it takes a long time for me to get over the end of relationships, even if the relationship wasn't kind of meant to be. And so, uh, Hmm. one of the things with the podcast was that I, uh, I allowed myself to go out with people I wouldn't normally. And because of that, ended up ended up dating a gentleman who was a pastor and like just from a different tradition than mine. And I thought we were, 
you know, pretty aligned and we weren't, and I didn't know that. And the end of that really took me out. Um, Mm, and I realized that from all the pattern changes I had gone through, the one area of my life that I just couldn't seem to change the patterns of was my dating life. Um, even if the person was completely externally different than the people I had dated before. And even like if on, on, um, Mm. you know, on, uh, you know, according to other people, uh, he was different. Uh, the way it ended up was not different. And the way I felt about its ending was for sure not different. Um, Mm. you know, and I still think he, he's an incredible human and it's not any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not any really fault of his. It's just kind of how, um, I mean, it is fault of both of us, you know, for sure. But, um, kind of the reality of, okay, well, I don't want to stay stuck in this. And I would say I still, you know, deal with like feeling sometimes stuck, uh, with all this sort of stuff. But I, uh, I ended up, um, working with this dating coach and kind of discovering some of my patterns, which are, um, a, I can't date multiple people at once or I couldn't. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was putting all, and I'm a two on the Enneagram, which means, you know, that's my main number. So I'm a two with a three wing and I know how to make people feel seen, heard, all this sort of stuff. And because of that, it's really easy for once I do say yes to someone, it's really easy for me to get into a relationship that becomes more serious than maybe it should. Um, and I don't even stop to think that like, is this the right thing? So one of the things that, uh, Lisa shield is the name of the coach. Um, and by the way, even if you're in Britain, you can work with her because she, uh, she does, it's all online pretty much. She's in LA, but I've never seen her face to face. You can, I just don't. Um, we do phone calls and all that sort of stuff weekly and it's all done online and virtually. Yeah. I'm in sort of a weird pause place because I had a book deadline and because we've got so much deadline stuff at work that I haven't, um, finished out two of the modules that I need to. This is an eight week course. Um, but one of the things she got us to do is sort of figure out like, what are the five non-negotiables? Like I will not deal with this. And I had never really thought in those ways. Um, I had never really um, thought about, like, really what I'm looking for. Um, I think I had a lot of external things that I wanted. And she gets you to look at that, too, like a list of, like, just what's your dream? Like, your dream person as of today, what are they? Mm. And I, I realized, like, a lot of my exes had a lot of things in common, and it wasn't just looks. And um, it was really helpful to look at those things and say like, where did these not align with my actual values? So it's been, um, and how do I like create boundaries and space? So like I've had to have, <laughs> I had an awkward conversation last night where I've been spending a lot of time with one human and he's amazing, but, um, I need to see other people too. Um, because otherwise I'll just make it, I'll make us boyfriend and girlfriend before, um, I know whether or not that's a good fit. And then I cannot, it's really hard for me to, um, walk away from someone Mm. because I do like super care about people. And that's probably what makes me a good pastor, but, uh, it makes it not super healthy when it comes to making decisions for my own life. Mm. So, yeah, um, I think I've learned a lot about that. I've learned a lot about like family of origin stuff. Uh, so I've learned that I kind of tend to like guys that don't pay me a lot of attention because I come from a family of really busy folks who are amazing, but kind of only, um, could show up to things when they were a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's been, and I, I definitely would say I go out now with people that I never would have, you know, I, 
went on, I've been seeing someone that doesn't believe in God. <laughs> I mean, he's agnostic, so maybe God exists, but it's not a big deal for him at all, which is nice. He has no evangelical baggage whatsoever. Um, mm, he's really yeah. cool with what I do, although he just kind of has no idea about it. Um, and he's very supportive, but I don't know that that in the end has the totality of me being seen. And so, um, we got to kind of figure that out. And so that's going to require me seeing other people that have that aspect, but don't have some of the other aspects. Um, I'll tell you, I'm dating really kind people right now, which is really different for me and really overwhelming for me in some ways. Um, you know, and so it's just been this really interesting, uh, journey inward. And, uh, I, I would never would have done it if I didn't have people asking me about it. Um, and that's really hard for me. I come from a British background originally and uh, British and Canadian. And we just don't, we don't, we make jokes about our feelings. We don't share our feelings. And so yeah, yeah. I think for me, particularly it was, it's been a, a challenge to be out there in a way that um, helps other people, but also is honest, you know? And yeah. honestly, I would quit the dating coaching thing if I wasn't, cause it's been so painful to look at this stuff. Um, I probably would have quit it if I didn't have people who were, uh, asking me about it. You know, I went to a mm -hmm. conference last weekend and I was just in the line talking to someone and this guy was like, Hey, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, I'm a pastor and a podcaster. And this girl just turns around and goes, you're Sarah Heath. And she's like, I listen to your podcast all the time. And then this mm -hmm. other, like the four other people turned around and they're like, no way you're her. Um, and then they start immediately asking me about my dating life. They're like, are you dating oh. that guy? What happened? And I'm like, oh, eh. no. so that happened to me. That happened to me at a conference recently as well. Um, yeah. People ask me about my podcast and guests and things like, you know, it's awkward. I always feel awkward talking about my podcast to, to people that I'm hanging out with socially right. because, because it, it never really gets like talk. Cause I have guests on my show all the time. So it uh -huh. inevitably ends up like with me name dropping somebody, and I don't, I don't like name dropping at all, and it like makes me feel makes me feel really uncomfortable, and um, like, but I can't not say anything because that's my podcast, that's my part of my story, you know. Um, right. So yeah, definitely. But although your podcast is, I think, I think a bit bigger than mine, but I don't um, know about that. Um, but um, but nevertheless, I, I yeah resonate with that that dimension to it it's um like having your own space you know, you know it's like a weird thing because people don't know necessarily what I look like but they know what my voice sounds like and I don't think my voice is that unique but apparently it is oh yeah I think it is yeah like and people were like oh no no I recognize your voice from this podcast and you've been on that podcast and I was like oh okay I guess I was like my voice weird I never think about it but I guess it's unique so there it is but I never, look, if you had ever asked me, would you have a podcast about your personal life? My answer would have been hell to the no. Um, especially because it talked about my spirituality and the difficulty that sometimes being a pastor and spirituality yeah. can have. I feel like some of the lessons I learned biggest this year were kind of outside of the challenges. Like, um, I think I learned a lot about, even in the relationship that didn't work out, which was kind of great, is I learned like, hey, there are some spiritual practices that I'm not willing to let go of. Um and whether they're uh, mm. cool or not, you know, like what listening to worship music. Yeah. Some of it's super problematic, but some of it really, you know, centers me and brings me to a, a sense of like, oh, this is it. So 
I think I learned and kind of reclaimed some stuff for myself. And all in all, I would think it was, it's been a really, really good experience. Um, I'm so glad I did it. I think I'm happier. I was having dinner actually with my admin the other night and I was sharing with her like, man, like I'm the happiest I've been in a, in a really long time. And it was really interesting because immediately that was called into, I think sometimes when we say things like that, we get challenged, right? So I said that, I was like, this is the happiest I've been in a really long time. And then mm-hmm. I got home, my dog had thrown up everywhere, including on, I have this really nice rug and he's destroyed it. And he's like the best dog ever. He never goes to the bathroom in the house or throws up. You know, I see a picture of my ex-boyfriend with his new girlfriend. Uh, and it was just sort of like, oh, oh, really? Like, <laughs> Tonight of all nights when yeah. I just said I'm the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> but it was really a reminder, like, I actually called my admin in her house and said, um, Amy, I just said this and I think it's still true. I am really, really happy and I'm not going to let these things affect it. And I may not be still where, you know, I don't know what I thought would happen by doing a podcast. Um, I think I thought maybe I would solve all the, these issues and I haven't, I'm just, I've moved the ball a little further along. So yeah. I, I, it's fun too to like look back and listen to them and be like, Oh man, it's like a journal of a year. <laughs> And even how my mind has shifted in some pretty big mm. things. I've, I've lost a lot of shame. I had a lot of shame that was holding me back from a lot of things. Wow. So. And what is it in terms of, because obviously you're a pastor. Um, mm-hmm. How was it, how has this journey impacted your relationship with, well, firstly with God, you know, mm-hmm. um, on a kind of basic level, but also, um, your role as a pastor like how has it how has it changed that those those two things I think it the role as a pastor part I think for sure it has become like really important for me that uh my humanity be considered Mm. and that I am allowed to say I'm a pastor but I'm also a human Mm. and um I I think that and doing the podcast also reminded other people of that, mm. um, you know, and it, it started some controversy within my higher ups and things like that. And so we had to have some tough conversations, but then I realized like, it's not just that they were afraid, right. They'd never really seen a pastor do a podcast that wasn't about like, these are all the great ways that I am a Christian. Um, and so for me to come in and say like, these are the things that I'm disappointed in, in life, they were worried this would prevent our church restart. Um, so I have a church new start restart situation mm-hmm. and they were worried that it would like affect it. That people would be like, Whoa, she's unhappy. Why would I want to be around it? And I have gotten, it's interesting. One guy said that to me, well, you're, you're just unhappy with your life. And I was like, mm, no. And I realized like he doesn't listen to the podcast. He was just making an assumption based on like what the podcast yeah. was about. Um, but I think as far as my relationship with God, it is, I don't know, I think it's opened up uh, different conversations and different ways of me seeing myself as the beloved and not um, not based on the things that I get or the things that work out, um, more based on just my base identity. And um, I'm working really hard on that because I find each area of our life is actually only as positively affected by the way that we're able to care and love for ourselves. Um, mm, yeah. Like I, my dating life is only ever going to be great if I can love myself enough to 
have tough conversations. And, you know, uh, Renee Brown said something recently. Uh, it was in her book, Dare to Lead, which is really good. Um, but I saw a quote from it before I actually had even read the book, which was um, that clarity is kind. Being unclear is unkind. And I think my whole life I've thought if I can just be passively um, kind to people. Mm. Um, so I think I've, I've stepped into a little more honesty with myself and others. So that's been more kind, I think. But I have to know who I am to be able to do that. So that's been the work. It's been good. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds amazing. And, you know, that it's just a journey that you're still on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really great. I mean, it's like, I, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of inspiring, you know. I mean, I, because I, I'm kind of at a similar place in my life, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not much older, I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm not much older than you. So I'm kind of in the same season, you know of kind of re-examining my life and like you know what do I want out of life where do I want to live what do I want to do you know uh-huh. what kind of relationship do I want to have like you know what kind of friends do I want to have all those things are going through my my head right now uh-huh. so kind of listening to the podcast kind of like gave me a bit of clarity um on that the, on the just the fact that I needed that in my life it's like oh yeah. this is the sort of thing I need to be doing you know, this is the clarity I need to get. This is the que- These are the questions I need answered, you know. Isn't it uh, the saying is, like, if you don't um, have a vision of where you're going, you'll get there? Like, if you don't, all of a sudden life just sort of passes you by. Hmm. And if you don't have um, sort of any idea about where you're trying to head, you'll get to nowhere. And I think that's the that's a tough thing, especially if you're, like, someone like me who really values people. I often put other people's agendas before mine. Hmm. And so learning how to, like, I'm best as a pastor, as a friend, as all these things, if I've thought about what I need and want. And um, it was, I mean, I still struggle with the feeling of being, like, selfish or, like, you know, when pe- it only takes one comment mm. for me to feel just awful. You know, I was at a conference um, last weekend that was completely, I wasn't speaking at it. It was completely for me to experience. That was it. I had friends that were speaking at it. It was a great conference. And um, before that, you know, two months ago, I took renewal leave, which ended up, I did come back and preach in the middle of it. Like I, you know, there was all this stuff that like, I didn't do a great job of doing boundaries around renewal leave, but I had taken it. And so only a month, usually it's three to six months. And I'm sitting in the auditorium listening to just an absolute amazing speaker. And I get a text message from a friend of mine who's on a committee and the people in the committee are debating about whether I'm at my church enough. Now, in that minute, I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did I come to this? Like, it's another Sunday miss. People are going to think da, da, da. And then I was like, no, no, because this makes me a stronger preacher. This makes me a stronger person. This gives me an opportunity to, like, share the story of our church to other people. Like, um, and the person said, you know, I absolutely, like, fought back. I just want you to know that I told them that they're full of it. But uh, it was a it was a weird and hurtful experience of like mm. really challenging myself on because it mattered. Like, and my friend that was with me is a social worker. So she was like, I don't know what text you just got, but your entire demeanor changed. And I was like, Oh, they're questioning whether I'm at the church enough. And she was like, Sarah, you are at the church as much as you can be. And we've told you to go out and be elsewhere. Like, don't listen to people who are deciding things for you outside of 
knowing, mm, yeah. you know, do they go to our church? No. Okay, perfect. Like, and, and sometimes people at the church make little comments cause they're used to a pastor who's there every Sunday. And I'm, I'm there, you know, three out of four Sundays, if not every Sunday, every month. And so mm. I think it's this, this weird sense of like, it cannot be all about one pastor and I have to let the critique just hit me. And then be like, mm. oh, okay, here's what I think. If you don't agree with it, no worries. I'm not a good fit. Um, that, so that's been helpful. That sounds like a really great story in one sense. Of, like a, it sounds like that's a kind of sign of the progress that you've made. Like that, and yeah. like a year ago, you would have maybe you would have got that text and like felt loads of guilt and shame and all of that and let, let that consume you or whatever. But but now you're you know yourself and you know who you are and what you do and what you're here for and you've got a better sense of purpose and like and self-worth as well and so you're able to say no actually that's not that's not true I don't have to listen to that that's not for me and I am not that's not what I was intending to do and um you know a couple years ago I used to I would speak in an event and I was I was working with a pastor who um is so great oh he's so great um but he's got a lot of fear um, mm. you know, and I, a lot of mainline pastors right now have a lot of fear, right? Like we're constantly told there's decline, there's finance, all this sort of stuff. And so he was very, mm. I don't even know if he ever said this. I just felt like he was like, you have to be in the pulpit every Sunday. So I would go and do things for the Methodist church, even my own denomination, like would ask me to come out and do something. And I would go and do it all the way out in Nashville, which is a five hour flight. Then I would try to fly home and make it in time to be a in the pulpit on Sunday morning, because it was really important that I be in the pulpit on Sunday morning. Mm. And I, I mean, I would, the anxiety of running down the air, you know, cause you cannot air airlines do not care if you're in the pulpit or not. So like the anxiety with which mm. I thought about my job, it was like, I felt stuck and like I had to be there and all sorts of stuff. And it just was an unhealthy thing. And I still, I mean, I still get there. Um, Amy, who is my, um, executive administrative assistant always is saying like, Sarah, <laughs> you don't have to, like, you don't have to be here every Sunday. Um, because I, I do have that like guilt inside of like, Oh, I need to be, what if I'm not there and something happens and mm. you know, things do happen when I'm not there and that's, that's fine. We keep going. So mm. yeah, it's a crazy, uh, experience to sort of let go. And then to just say, well, what makes me the happiest? And, if it doesn't fit with a job description or it doesn't fit with what I'm currently doing, then why am I doing it? We're, you know, we spend 90,000 hours on average as a human in our job. Yeah. That's one third, they think, of our lifespan. Uh, I just read a Harvard report on this. And I thought, why the heck would I spend that, you know, doing stuff that I, like doing something that is destroying me? And so it allows me to put that on the table and go, do I want to do this? You know, um, or is there something, you know, cause sometimes you can do a job that isn't mm. life giving as they say, but it's just a way of like, okay, I can do this job and it doesn't crush me. And then it's a way of me getting to the rest of my life. But, mm. um, yeah, you know, I was talking about this with a friend of mine and we were actually using the example of the lottery. Like, um, and it was like, if you won the lottery, then like you quit your job, you know, um, what happens if, like you don't have any vocation, you don't have any passion, you don't have any goals or dreams, you know, you know, something that you love to do. If you don't have that, then when you win the, when you, when, when you win the lottery, you're going to get 
really, really depressed. Because uh-huh. actually, all that, all that says is that you were working just to get money. That's all your uh-huh. job was. It was like a way of paying the bills. That's all it was. And you had nothing else in your life. And like that's why, that's why so many people who win the lottery end up depressed and like you know um relationship breaks up breaks up and all that kind of thing the statistics like all show that like the vast majority of people who win the lottery certainly in the uk end up unhappy you know Uh um and actually the one person that really ended up happy who won the lottery was the one who gave most of the money away like um and had a life outside of what you know of their work so it's kind of the lesson was really like we need to have a vocation we need to have something that we do because we love it even if it's not our even if it's not our paid job Uh we still have to have that and that whatever that is we have to find that in our life um so that we've got you know so that we've got kind of a purpose you know like i could call my job my 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 day job like my fundraising for my writing you know um yeah what keeps the roof over my head so that I can do the creative stuff that I love to do, for example, you know. I think if you can see it that way and if you stop to examine it and really look at it and say, do I like what I'm doing? And allow yourself to ask that question. We don't always do that, right? Hmm. Um, I think, or I mean, maybe even not do I like what I'm doing. It's not maybe even the right question, but is it, you know, helping me see that I have purpose in this, whatever it might be. Hmm. Um, I think that, if we give ourselves that time and that space, it's, it's a gift, right? So anytime we take to just self-reflect and look around and not in like everything's all about me all the time, because you're right. The people who win the lottery and everything's about them, they are miserable. Mm. The people who go get all the things they want. And then it turns out like, Hey, actually that's not the meaning of life. Mm. They're miserable and they make, um, you know, reality shows about them. So I think, Mm. yeah, they do. And they're horrible people. Like, I don't want to spend time with these reality stars. Like, no, thank you. Mm. Um, they don't seem to have any sort of answers or interesting conversations for me. Um, and so I think there is, there's an interesting thing about sort of examining ourselves and saying, is this what I want for my life? And if I'm headed in the wrong direction, how do I reboot and head the other direction? And like, I, you know, people keep asking me, is there going to be another Saunders list? And I'm like, well, first of all, I can't afford it because <laughs> it's expensive to have an editor. Um, mm. And the time is really hard with writing a book and doing a podcast. So mm. we'll see. I want to do a, something else. I love podcasting. It's great. I just, uh, I want to make sure that I'm living my life and not just doing it for a podcast. So I'm going to take some time off. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a good plan. You know, um, I do that every year. I, and people who listen to the podcast will know this. Um, around kind of December, January time, I don't publish anything. No podcasts come out, you know. Um, and I don't record any either. Um, and it's the same like July, August. You know, I don't, nothing comes out. I don't publish a podcast. Because there's a reason. Like, I just don't want to feel like I'm a slave to it and that that's my whole life, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because I, I love doing it. Don't get me wrong, I love interviewing loads of people and learning stuff and recording and putting stuff out but um yeah you've got to have some balance in your life you know how often do you release um once a week generally like um and i've got i've got loads of i i record a lot of stuff in advance i i seem to have this thing of um that i record about i record like five or six 
in about three or four weeks. And um, so I have like, I have a whole bunch, like at the moment I've got a whole bunch scheduled. Yeah. Um, we're talking in um, November, but we're like, um, yeah, I've got a whole bunch scheduled to go out this month already um, and the beginning of next month. And then like, but the ones I'm recording now will probably, will, will probably go out in January, like, or February, you know, like, because that's kind of how I do it. I don't want to just like do it every week, you know, um, but I do want to do podcasting because I love doing it, you know, and I, I love meeting people and talking to people and learning from people and building friendships because some of the people wow. that I've, a lot of people that I've had on, especially the people I've had on regularly, I've become friends as well as like guests, you know, um, like you, for example, you know, like, um, and it's just like now sometimes with some guests, it's just like when we, when we, when we, when we, when we do a recording, it's like just catching up, you know, as well as yeah. just, <laughs> as well as just like, as well as kind of talking about what the work, the work they're doing, you know, it's, um, and that's, 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 that's the fun thing of it, you know, um, yeah. What do you love doing is the question. Like, so if you love connecting with people, it's a great tool to do it. I think, um, we have this like fear that, Oh, well, everyone has a podcast. I can't have a podcast, but that's not true. Like, you know, um, no one is you has a podcast. And so what you look at and how you do it and how life is, you know, I think that's the beauty about art or creative. Anything is that it, um, it has a unique voice depending on who you are. And so, everybody's, uh, you know, I feel like podcasting has really leveled out the ability for people to, to do shows and be seen and be heard. And, um, mm, yeah. it's kind of neat. It's neat. I love watching people's lives be transformed by podcasts, um, just mm. by what they're listening to. And, you know, they're getting to experience, uh, people from all over the world connecting, right? Like, yeah, yeah. how expensive would it would have been back in the day when there wasn't podcasting and radio, uh, didn't use the, um, intercontinental stuff for us to even talk that would, uh, and so there's this broadening of our horizons that is so cool and so different in our world. Mm. So new in some ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was just at a, an event in London, um, around the liturgist podcast, you know, which is all over the world, you know, like there's these Facebook groups in different, but different parts of America. There's one for the UK. There's one for, European countries it's just like it's just this huge thing and it's like and then you meet all these people and suddenly you've made a whole bunch of friends you know and I've, well yeah there's that shared experience and it's so funny because it is around Mike and Vishnu and Hillary and William but it's not so I was at a conference this weekend like I said with um it was just you know a bunch of my friends were speaking and Mike's a good friend of mine and Mike um and I and a couple other folks were headed out to dinner and somebody asked Mike, hey, Mike, are you going to the liturgist gathering? And he went, what? And he said, oh, yeah, like a big group of folks have started a Facebook group that all are liturgist listeners, and they're having a gathering tonight. Are you coming? And he was like, how hysterical is that, that I had no idea that was happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, he yeah. ended up going um, to his party that he did not know about. Um, and I think that's a sign of any sort of if you want to put it in this way, ministry is going well when people engage it and activate it and act out of it mm. without you having to have your hands on it. And yeah. Yeah. these people felt like they had community enough that they didn't even need Mike in the room. That's not what they needed. They wanted each other. Like, of course they loved having Mike there, but they really knew that, okay, mm. if I have these people in the room with me, 
we're going to have a shared story, a, a history, something that we can mm-hmm. talk about. And it came from all over the country. And it, they yeah. filled up a, a brewery. I ended up not going because I was like, I can't handle <laughs> handle more people. Um, and so I ended up having just like a dinner of four people. And I was like, Mike, you go do that. I can't handle your crowds right now. Um, but it was really cool to see. And I think that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had that the other night. I, I've been out since the one in London. I've been out twice with friends that I made there, like without any without anybody any you know without obviously because Mike and Vish went back to the UK went back to the US you know and it was funny because like <laughs> Vish was on was on Twitter like doing this like ask me any question I'm bored kind of thing and uh-huh. just at the time we were at this we were at this bar in London having our little meet up so I kind of tweeted him and said like you know say we're all meeting in London like a bunch of us lit- Brit- we call ourselves the Britagists because we're British and we're litigists um and um he he like replied and said hello to everyone it was great it was just and that was kind of the whole thing of like he didn't have to be there you know it was just we were just doing our own thing you know and it was um yeah and that i mean that's the sign of a like yeah when you're doing something that really matters and like it's having an impact on people and when it just goes off on exists without you you know the letter just wouldn't exist and my work and the public sphere wouldn't exist and a lot of stuff wouldn't have happened had we not all gone to a conference, uh, Rob Bell threw a conference seven years ago called, uh, gosh, well, it was just called the two day. He just called, he was, he couldn't think of a name. So it was two days. Two days with Rob Bell. Bell. I, yeah. yeah. And it was the first one he'd done. I remember uh, that. Yeah. yeah. There's 50 of us invited. And so, you know, I, I get in a room with these people and I'm done. I like, did not want to be a pastor anymore. Mike was, an atheist. I mean, it was just the funniest thing. And then all of us out of that and Rob has been a part of it and not a part of it. Like for most of us, it's been our friendships we made out of that, that have fueled our, our work, our, um, and it touches every part of us. And so I think it's, we find community with like-minded people. And I think when people, like if Rob had just listened to what people told him to do and been a pastor at the church that everyone thought he was a great pastor at, and he was like killing it at this church, if he had just stayed there only doing that, none of our creative projects would have happened. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, we actually talked about this at, at, at the conference and afterwards that Rob is kind of like the father of like all this stuff that's happening, like in many ways, like the liturgist and what you do, and like all these, and what I do, like it all kind of start. He kind of seems to bring. He sort of did this thing and brought people together, like yeah. And like he didn't like do it intentionally or whatever. It was just a. He didn't like go and make sure. Like I want to introduce you to you so that you can do that. It was like no, I'm just going to do these things. He's and a bring- lesson in a deep sense of knowing yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He- I mean, I, yeah. He knows what he does. He knows why he does it. And then he does it. And, and then out of that, I, I would say, this is my language and how I think, I would say the Holy Spirit. When we yeah. are actively engaged in doing what, at our deep core, um, we, are, we are made to do. However you want to look at that. Um, magical things happen. Incredible things happen. And I think... Uh, people meet up that have like minds and it's just this incredible thing. And I think more and more when we try to fit into all these categories, I mean, the whole idea of Sonderless for me was not trying to have other people's lives, but love my own life. And I think the biggest lesson I will say out of the whole thing was not necessarily the changes I made, Mm. but being okay 
with my life and stopping and taking stock of all the things that I'm grateful for because my life, the people that are in my life, it's insane. Like, how do I get to be friends with these people? How do I, like, who am I? You know, that quote, who am I? But like, who am I to get to do these things? Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. girl from Northern Ontario, Canada. Like I shouldn't, yeah. all of these things be a thing. But I think sometimes because I compare my life to other people, yeah. um, I want it all. And the truth is you can't have it all. Things come at an expense. That's right. Yeah. It's funny how we went on that, that, that little kind of detour in our conversation and it kind of it still brought us back to what we started talking about which is the you know what kind of person do you want to be you know what kind of life do you want to create um i read this great article by josh radner on uh thrive global about okay randomly he tweeted me did not know that like didn't make a connection I know, I saw that that. yeah after. i saw that one yeah and i yeah, I've tweeted. I I emailed him after. See, I'm name dropping again. Um, I emailed him after one of his, one of his other posts, and it was about like failure and dealing with failure and like creative projects that he'd been involved in that he'd written and produced or whatever that hadn't done well pu- with the public. Yeah. You know, and like, is it? It kind of touched me because I it it kind of touched on part of my story, and so I I was so moved. I just I like, I emailed him like not thinking that he would even read it. But I just thought, this has moved me. I want to respond to this. Like, so I just did. And he sent me this beautiful email in response. And it was just like, yeah, I know. And I got so excited I put it on Instagram. <laughs> well, just like the title of it, not the whole email. But like, it was just like, oh, wow. You know, and he has replied to me on Twitter a few times. And yeah, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, I read, what was, that, what was I actually saying? Yeah, he's talked about like how when he was on How I Met Your Mother, the show he was on, which was huge that he actually started to think about, you know what, I, I've got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. My life, what is what is my life about? Like, I want to, like, when I finish this show, I want to make sure that I'm creating a life that's worth living. Uh-huh. Like, what can I do to do that? Like, what does that mean? You know, that means, maybe that means not saying yes to every big project. Like, a big opportunity to do something huge in Hollywood or whatever. Um, but he talked about the kind of life he wanted to create and it started to, started me thinking about what kind of life do I want to create you know which is kind of what Sonderlut is all about as well Um, (laughs) I think it's why someone like said you need to be on this girl's podcast he was like hi I'm Josh apparently I need to be on your podcast I was like I'd love to have you but he never responded um and I actually think I am going to do some like in a couple months um a follow-up like a um Jen Hatmaker who's an author she was going to be on the podcast and timing just didn't work out so I wanted to do a follow up with her because her life so so much resonates with mine, and she's been such an incredible mentor for instance in some ways and friend. And uh, yeah, I just feel like there's there's so much room for having maybe the debrief, maybe the uh, follow up. I think too, it's weird too because a lot of people are just discovering the podcast now. So like, mm-hmm. even though we're not putting any content out, like all the time, people are adding it on. So it's just this really interesting thing to see what kind of life. And particularly as I start touring again, now that the book is, you know, I'm going to have speaking events and all that kind of stuff again, it, it's an opportunity for me to share that part of my life, you know? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, isn't it, when you start creating things and sharing them with people, what that does to you as well. Like, and not just not just the kind of practical of 
this is what the podcast is about. You know, the choices uh-huh. that we're going to make. But the internal kind of, the act of creating something and sharing it with people. Um, that's just like It's a, so good. You know, um, mm. and I would say, you know, as I, I think about what, you know, what all, what, why Josh Radners and people like that do okay after their stuff ends is they go, huh, this isn't me. This is part of me. My created thing is part of me, but that's not the totality of me. So having all these different likes and like, so I am not just a pastor. Mm. It's part of my life. Now, do I have a pastoral mantle over me most of the time? Yes. But I also have a mantle of doubt and I sometimes don't, I Christian culture weirds me out. And I think there is some, you know, white supremacy in it. There is Mm. some, uh, serious misogyny (laughs) and all of that's not of the faith. Um, all of that's external stuff that has been developed, but I think, um, the Mm. minute when I justify myself as a pastor, I get really, I I don't, I can't do it. Um, because there is so many other things. I'm a creative, I'm a, someone who, you know, just absolutely craves the curious side of life. I just want to like know all I can Mm. and see all I can and do all I can. And it requires me to engage my humanity and be a normal human Mm. in some ways. And, uh, when I do that, I'm a better pastor Mm. because I think, you know, I think Catholicism doesn't have it right that pastors never get married and don't have families. Um, because Mm. this is my opinion. Now, some, some people would say, well, yeah, they can be fully focused on being the bride of Christ and that's great. But I think it makes you disconnected from the Mm. humanity Jesus was not married and had kids, but he was incredibly connected to the people around him. And I think when we're set apart to the point of being on a pedestal, which is, by the way, what happens to folks like Josh Radner when they're on a show, Mm. um, is you lose your humanity, right? You become beyond critique, you become, but we need to be human. Like, we have to be. I heard that said, somebody say that today, that I can't remember where, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was, it was on social media, I think that um, a friend of mine who said that when we, it's not just dehumanizing when we kind of insult people. It's like when we put them on pedestals too high, uh-huh. we also dehumanize them because we make them uh-huh. look, think we, we make them look something that they're not, which is this perfect idealized human being like person or God or whatever. And that actually is dehumanizing them. Like, it's like saying that they're like, they, 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 they don't make mistakes. They can't make mistakes. Um, like, and I have to be like them, not like uh-huh. me, you know, so you're dehumanizing them, you're dehumanizing yourself at the same time, because you're thinking you have to be like them. Um, well, and, and then it like perpetuates a, that image yeah. where you have to put a, yeah. I need to put a, 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 you know, a mask. I need to be a certain kind of person for people. And, uh, then you start believing the mask, you know, then you start, uh, I remember hearing a quote one time, uh, Lady Gaga, who created a, Mm, you know, she created a character. Lady Gaga is not a person. Stephanie is. And so she's just now revealing Stephanie to the public more. And I think all along this has been her plan. She's an excellent actress. She's smart about it. Oh, yeah. She she knew that Stephanie was a little, she was like too many people. She's a little plain, um, I think, in her estimation. And I remember someone asking the guy, they, they didn't end up getting married, but she was engaged for a while. And somebody, they asked the guy, what's it like to be engaged to Lady Gaga? And he said, I don't know. I'm engaged to Stephanie. <laughs> and I think that's the, um, 
that's the thing we have to remember is kind of the integration of both our outside persona. So it's fine to have like a, a shell, but we need to have the people that we are being real and open with and authentic with. And that person includes ourselves. Like we have to, again, like I am learning there are things about me that I don't like and it's okay. It's just mm-hmm. part of who I am. And, um, obviously not when it harms others or that kind of stuff, but it's okay to say like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't like doing that. <laughs> or I, I've for so long told people mm-hmm. that, um, because it seemed like a nice thing to do. And then the truth is like, no, like, look, like even in the conversation I had last night, like I know this person, if today I said, Hey, I want you to be my boyfriend and that's it. He would be like, absolutely. I'm in. Um, and I knew it was going to hurt him and I wanted to build up his ego cause he's incredible. Oh, he's an incredible human, but that doesn't mean that that's right for me right now. Mm-hmm. Might be down the road, but the more I try to assure other people of their validity and valid, you know, I think it's, it's not being honest. Um, mm. and so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm in this new season of, uh, radical honesty and I don't always like it, but, uh, people will like me instead of liking the projection of me. And I think that's, mm. you know, there's that saying that says, uh, no one can like you if you don't, if you aren't the real you. Yeah. You may, if you don't make waves, lots of people may like you, but they don't actually like you. And I think I, for so long, didn't want to make waves cause I wanted to be liked but they didn't actually like me. They liked their projection of me or this image of me. Um, and then it could be quite disappointing when you actually get to know me. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Those are all my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Great. This has been fantastic. I think, yeah. Um, your whole journey has been really inspiring, I think. And thank you. Courageous. Thanks and, James. Um, yeah, it has. And I think for a lot of people, not just me, um, and it's really great that that resource is just there for people to go and listen to listen a whole through lot. It. I talked to a bunch of experts about loving your life in all different kinds of areas. You get to hear awkward dating me. You get to hear, I mean, it is mm. just probably the most awkward. Uh, if you like train wrecks, you should listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming back on, back of on course. the show. Um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you too. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back again because that's yeah. what will happen. That's what always happens. I've got a book coming uh, out in March, so. Oh, well, that's cool. We'll do one, do one again then. Um, that sounds great. I can't wait to read the book. Um, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Sarah, for coming on. Of course. Um, uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs>